The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 265. I hope that you guys are doing very well today. If you are struggling with OCD or anxiety, then you can get a free session with me to get that. All you need to do is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. There you can book yourself that free session directly, or if you prefer, you can uh, send me a message and let me know about what you're struggling with. Uh, Something else to mention is that I now... Uh, have Patreon for the podcast. So if you're interested in in getting uh, some bonus uh, podcast material, uh, interested in getting more access, uh, direct access to me with your uh, questions, for example, I offer a uh, monthly um, Zoom session for for some some Patreon members. So if you're interested in that, you can follow the Patreon link in the show notes and you can sign up there. Now, in today's podcast, I speak with uh, Sean Flores. Sean is a creative who knows no boundaries, an influencer aiming to have the right influence on the world. He typically focuses on mental health and well-being. Sean is now seeking to uh, qualify as a life coach using his experiences from the creative world and his personal uh, and his personal world to help guide others in their path in life. His creative journey was recently thrown a curveball with his pure O OCD diagnosis at 27 years old. He has worked with OCD charities to raise awareness and shatter archaic myths about OCD. His diagnosis has encouraged him to widen the conversation about mental health. Sean has curated and delivered two TEDx talks, uh, TEDx 2022 and TEDx 2018. In 2018, he gave a TEDx talk about the uh, education system and how we can do more to ensure no one is left behind. His second TEDx talk was on the straitjacket of masculinity and male health in 2022. A third TEDx talk remains in his periphery to help raise awareness of OCD and raise funds for OCD research, which remains severely underfunded and under-researched. If you would like to find out more about Sean, uh, you can check him out on Instagram, the Sean Flores. Um, There's there's links to his Instagram, also to his uh, link tree in the show notes. Uh, you know, he's a really interesting guy, obviously someone who's, uh, you know, really struggled with OCD and really understands, uh, you know, what it takes to to uh, to learn to deal with it in a much better way. So, you know, he shares about his journey and about his struggles. Um, so I really hope uh, and, and, and believe that you're going to find this really inspiring and uh, and helpful. 
Uh, as always, guys, if uh, you do find it helpful, it would be great if you could follow and like on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Robert James Coaching UK. And if you have any questions at all about anything uh, from today's podcast, do please uh, feel free to let me know. Just a bit of a disclaimer, we do talk about... Um, uh, psychedelics today in today's podcast obviously uh, if you're struggling with OCD I do not recommend at all that you experiment uh, with with uh, psychedelics or any other uh, um, untested drug obviously if you're going to uh, to uh, take any medication whatsoever you should always speak uh, with your doctor uh, first um, so just a bit of a disclaimer there but uh, yeah I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast as always, if you have any questions, do please let me know. And off we go. Hi, Sean, and welcome to the podcast. Yes, man. Morning, morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have a conversation. I like things that are sometimes unplanned. It's natural flow. So it's great to be able to have a conversation with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, it's actually my favorite way of doing things uh, in terms of podcasts, you know, more the more natural, the better. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, we, we met on uh, Instagram, you're somebody who, who struggled with OCD and anxiety, uh, you're, yourself. Um, would you mind um, starting off just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So a little bit about myself. I've previously been a model in the past I left modeling alone after I believe I had like an undiagnosed eating disorder for a while which is probably very symptomatic of, of obsessive compulsive tendencies funnily enough uh, I've, I do freelance journalism I do public speaking I also work in the legalization of um, cannabis in the UK via charities I would say the best way to describe what I do at the moment is a professional agitator I think is the best way to describe a lot of what I do. And I'm very much in the arena of social justice because I believe a lot of the things that are happening in society can be easily solved with greater conversations. But at the moment, I'm doing a lot of mental health advocacy due to my journey previously struggling with OCD because I no longer really think I struggle with OCD. I live with it um, currently. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, um so how long have you been struggling with with OCD? I mean, obviously, you mentioned there that you used to be a model. Um, there was some some issues perhaps that you've had in the past with with eating disorders. So would you say that that's when you first started to, to kind of obsess about things? Or is this something that you've noticed from an earlier age, perhaps? So yeah, it's a fantastic question, actually. And the more and more I speak about my story, when I look back and I realize I have struggled with obsessive tendencies for a while. When I was um, in the modeling industry, at the time, I wanted to be a fashion model. So I'm six foot two and a half, to put it into perspective, and I was 83 kg. So I was actually severely underweight. And I was so obsessed with my cheekbones showing that I took diuretics, I starved myself, I drank boatloads of water just to keep flushing my lymphatic system to make sure that you could always see my cheekbones. There were times when I had no energy for photo shoots, I nearly passed out. But in my head, I believed that to have more cheekbones meant I was going to get more modeling work. And at the time, it, it, it was like that. I was positively affirmed by the people around me. I was positively affirmed by agencies and other models. But I was incredibly unhealthy on the out, um, on the inside. And when I look back actually at photos, 
I realized I was in a very bad place. Looking back at the young man that I was, well, young boy that I was actually really and truly then, I shouldn't have been in an industry like that. And yes, in some parts of it, the industry is to blame, but I also have to take accountability and responsibility. But if it wasn't for the modeling industry, I wouldn't have learned some of the lessons that I do know now. So as I said, I do realize I've struggled with obsessive compulsive tendencies probably for a while. I thought OCD was the emergence, but before that, clearly there was an emergence. Yeah, so often, it, you know, it, it is actually the case that it's been there for a long time, um, you know, but maybe it doesn't come out in such a chronic way. And at some point in life, something changes and, you know, the obsessions go from being, you know, slightly annoying, intrusive thoughts sometimes that perhaps you spend a little bit too much time thinking about to something a lot darker where obviously we can end up spending hours and hours or if not the entire day thinking about these intrusive thoughts. Um, now, very briefly in our initial discussion, we were just having, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago, you you kind of mentioned there that, you know, intrusive thoughts were actually, you know, a big part of, of the problem uh, initially. So can you kind of tell us about, uh, about that, how OCD really started to become a problem for you? So, when I first worked at an, at an addiction clinic amongst service users, I remember there was a moment when everyone in the in the circle was was speaking about a young man who had killed himself, he had committed suicide, mm. hung himself. And I remember I was just having thoughts over and over again about suicide. And I swore I would never go back to the, to the clinic and I never went back because I was so deeply triggered. But I would go into my bed and I'd just cry. And I'd have these thoughts running, running and running around my head over and over and over again. But that dissipated as time went on. Then the next big emergence, I would say, was when I had health anxiety. And the health anxiety was I was obsessed that I had HIV, obsessed that I had um, sexual transmitted infections and diseases. Mm. And at my worst, I paid £300 for a same-day test just to prove I didn't have anything. No matter how much evidence I was given on paper by the doctors or the nurses I just couldn't believe it I always thought no the time period was wrong this was wrong this must be wrong I would cancel all my plans in my day just to make sure I got tested and they they would ask me why do I keep coming back and I said I don't know I don't really have the answers why I'd keep coming back I just needed an answer as time went on that kind of faded away but then what happened was I had an intrusive um dream if anyone has OCD you know, you, you have OCD dreams too. I've had many OCD dreams since and they no longer trigger me in the same way. But at the time, what happened was I had a dream about a white guy in boxers, but I woke up with this sudden convincing belief I was gay. I know it's illogical to most people, but from that moment on, I was trying to prove my new sexuality. I threw up in the in the bathroom. If my friends touched me, I couldn't stop obsessing. I would have command intrusive thoughts about kissing my friends. I, I had it all. I had absolutely everything. And I lived with that for about two to three years with this uh, this hidden belief within me that I was gay, but there was nothing proven that I was gay. No matter what I wanted, nothing could prove I was gay. It interfered with my sexual life. I couldn't stop obsessing. I was in my own head quite a lot of the time. And looking back, I realized that I really was progressively getting worse and worse as time went on. Then what happened after that was when I was with one of my female friends, I I had a thought, thought about rape. The thought, the word popped into my head and I had a big panic attack as a result of it. I was smoking cannabis at the time, but I had smoked cannabis previously before that and I never really had any other issues. But 
what happened was I, I remember I started reassuring Seek and I said to her, are you sure I haven't done anything? She's like, sure, we haven't even had sex. There's nothing, you've not done anything. But I was so convinced I had done something, I screamed at her to leave and I called a mental health team. They came to check on me and they said, are you going to be okay? I said, no, I'll be fine. So I started psychodynamic therapy as a result of that. Mm. And psychodynamic therapy made it a hundred times worse. I came back from <laughs> it's therapy. It's not what you needed at all, man. I came back from therapy always feeling worse. I did not mm. feel any better. I remember there were some sessions afterwards where all I did in therapy was cry. And I said yeah. to the therapist, I don't believe this therapy is working for me in any way, shape or form. But she wanted me to stick it out. And at the time, I think I should have known my boundaries. I should have known that, look, this is not working. So then things were getting progressively worse. When I was out with one of my friends, I had intrusive thoughts about fighting people. So harm OCD started to rear its ugly head. And then suicide OCD on the very same day, a couple of minutes later, reared its head. And I just saw this intrusive thought of me jumping off a bridge and the word suicide just popped into my head. Mm. I was, that was the final moment for me. That moment, I said to my friend, I cannot do this anymore. I got into an Uber I just got home and I cried and I looked at all my friends in the eyes and I just told them I'm depressed and I'm suicidal and I no longer want to be there. And they were super upset. They were crying. And as I was saying to you previously that I'm typically the friend that everyone comes to when they when they need advice or they know me to be the strong one. So most people didn't believe, they, they just didn't know what to do because I wasn't the person they expected to break down. Even yeah. one of my friends recently said to me, he said he believed that I could make it through everything that was going on and everything that was going on because he knows that I'm the strongest one. And it's, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment because at the time I didn't feel like that. But mm. yeah, I am really lucky to be where I am now. Then what happened was over the next couple of days, I was so depressed. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to shower. I wanted time to swallow me up. Everything felt like a burden. My existence felt burdensome. And on Saturday, the 4th of June last year, I scoured the internet. and I found this woman called Emma Garrick, the anxiety whisperer, and I begged her for a phone call. And when she picked up, I just, I just started crying. I said to her, what's going on with me? What's wrong with me? Why am I having such horrible thoughts about certain topics? And she said, you have OCD. And we begun therapy on that Monday. And it was the toughest of my life because I still had to work it during it. I, mm -hmm. I still had to somewhat get on with life, you know? Yeah. And to a lot of people that don't understand OCD, it can generally be, and it is generally debilitating at times. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a really amazing story. Um, you know, incredible that you you came through it and found that that strength and resolve, uh, and the right person to work with ultimately that that made uh, that made all the difference. Um, it's it's uh, so frustrating actually that that people get directed to the wrong types of treatment still even today. Uh, you know, we, we know that talk therapy for, for OCD so often just makes things worse, um, you know, and so it's really frustrating that you you had to go through that. Um, but at least in the end, you you did find, uh, you know, the right path for you. Um, so what was it about the therapy that you did end up doing that that was most helpful, do you think? So I did CBT, ERP, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, Exposure Response Prevention, also alongside ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, which I think both gave me the tools to realize thoughts are just thoughts. Because I grew up with this insidious idea, growing up quite conservatively religious, that so a man think if so is he. So that's a proverb. So the idea that whatever is in your head, that is what you are. And I had to unlearn a lot of these... <clears throat> thoughts and behaviors and 
the way I attach thoughts and actions. I had to unlearn a lot of different things, but also through acceptance and commitment, what I learned most importantly was to accept the thought and to commit to the lifestyle and the values that I do have. And we know that CBT ERP is the gold standard for OCD. It's got an 80% success rate and there's other treatments coming out now, such as inference-based CBT, which is emerging out of Canada. There's so much more coming out, but for me, CBT ERP really helped me but also having a therapist who was very understanding she was tough on my OCD but she was kind to me and that's what I needed I needed someone at the time that believed in me probably more than I believed in myself I was in a terrible place and I even wish that I could have um what's it called recorded some of my old sessions and look back at them to realize just how far I've come but I know how far I have come yeah, it's an incredible story. It's, uh, you know, I, I know just how hard OCD can be in those in those dark moments. And, and actually, you do need a therapist just like that somebody who can give you that that tough love. Um, obviously, they need to have compassion. Uh, but they also really need to understand OCD and how it works. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, if you don't have the right therapist, unfortunately, they can just end up giving you uh, reassurance and all of this kind of stuff which we know is kind of the opposite of ERP it's just another it's just another way of us getting our compulsion um, and so yeah so it really sounds like you you found the right path for you which is fantastic um, okay and then this has actually led to uh, quite a profound change in you um, you were talking earlier, you know, and I think this is uh, the same for for most people if they reflect honestly on their experience of OCD, um, that you you come to learn to have a different experience of it. It's not that it's completely cured, um, you know, because intrusive thoughts are actually just a part of the normal human experience, um, you know. And so everybody gets intrusive thoughts. And actually, when you make that realization and truly understand it, actually, that's quite helpful. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier for us to 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 accept things. Um, but, you know, having gone on this this journey uh, your, yourself, where are you up to now? Um, you know, because you you mentioned that you really want to uh, to make a difference uh, to to other people who, who might be struggling. Yeah. So. I think a lot of what's happened with my journey is to repurpose my pain and to turn it into something to help other people. And how that happened was still during recovery when I was still seeing my therapist, I was having all the intrusive thoughts that I was schizophrenic, um, bipolar, I had borderline, I, I was self-diagnosing myself on an on a insane level. And I just woke up and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I said, I'm going to go and change the world. I opened up my Google document and I just started writing my story. That was pretty much how it happened. And since then, I've been on an absolute warpath to be the worst thing to ever happen to OCD because OCD was the worst thing to ever happen to me. And I'm currently um, enrolled on a life coach course, which I actually had to quit last year as well because of how bad the OCD was. And so I'm trying to come back to that. I want to try and train to become a therapist, but also I'm going to be delivering really exclusive news. I'm going to be delivering my third TEDx talk on the on the psychedelic revolution that's happening within mental health and obviously that's another conversation that we can have with, with which comes with very important caveats and it's down to people's personal experience but there's a lot of research coming out that has shown psilocybin magic mushrooms is having 
has very important has it, it reduces symptoms of ocd it's got a lot of therapeutic capability so i was on a trial with imperial college london i'm currently working at the moment with ucl on a neuroimaging um, document to help other people with ocd as well so there's quite a few things that are coming out and i'm also doing a lot of mental health advocacy article writing about mental health to try and really empower people and get them to realize that conversations are really important when it happens when it comes to mental health but we need to be having the difficult and the uncomfortable conversations most yeah that's really fascinating really interesting obviously as you pointed out uh we do need to give a disclaimer there to say you know if you are struggling with ocd um you know don't just go and uh try things like psilocybin or, or things like that uh it sounds like obviously you're doing this with uh universities in clinical studies uh, and you're doing it in a, in a controlled and safe way um you know so with with that disclaimer uh it you know it it is very interesting uh the the studies that are happening there um you know and and it does sound like there's a lot of potential uh for the for the future so what what has been your personal experience with that you you, you mentioned you found it to be very helpful yeah it's been massively helpful i, I believe that psilocybin has really allowed me to look inside of myself and to realize that I'm very overstimulated by the world sometimes. Sometimes I need to sit with my mind. And as you were speaking about before that, especially people with OCD, we we hate the uncertainty. We don't, we want everything to be certain. We want to be sure of things. And when you have to sit with uncertainty and you've got to learn to let go of control, it is generally one of the most liberating feelings in the world. When you learn to just be like, I'm gonna always be okay. Even if I don't feel okay, I trust I will be okay. So what was very important on the trial was, obviously I had therapy alongside it, which was integrative therapy. So what I learned on the when I was tripping on certain dosages of mushrooms, um, we incorporated it into my everyday life. And this is something I'm still continuing to do to this day. I'm actually weaning myself off antidepressants. I was previously on 100, down to 50. Now I'm down to 25, 50 on alternative days. And I'm going mm. to be going down to completely zero. And I'm hoping to start microdosing on mushrooms and then doing big trips at the end of every month for maybe about three months just to reset my brain, see how it acts. But a lot of what I've been able to do on mushrooms has been thanks to the trial, but also thanks to the research. The research, because because I think a lot of the time we use psychedelics and other things as coping mechanisms or escape tools, but simply is a stepping stone. And I think the stepping stone is something really important. There's things that happen within your brain that you may never have control over, but it's allowed me to look within me and to realize that there's things that I need to change. So that's a lot of what's my been, been my experience. So it has been very therapeutic for me, I must say. Fantastic. And that's really interesting. Um, okay. And just one more final question. If you only had uh, one piece of um, advice for people who might be struggling with OCD and anxiety, it's a tricky one. Uh, what would that piece of advice be? That you're not a bad person. Because when I had OCD, oh, I felt when I had the worst of my symptoms, I thought I was the worst person in the world. I locked myself in, up in my house. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go anywhere. I thought I was a danger to society. I realized I was not a bad person. I felt, I thought it was arrogant to believe I wasn't a bad person, but I wasn't a bad person. What my therapist reinforced to me was the fact you're scared and so worried about these thoughts tells you a lot about your morals and your values. Mm. So that is something yeah. that's so important. If I can yeah. give one more piece of advice, it would be to journal. 
when I was given the journal when I was in hospital with pneumonia for three days last year during my OCD, mm. when my friend gave me this journal, I thought, this is nonsense. This isn't going to help me do anything. Started watching a couple self-help videos. So I started journaling. And then it reached a point where when I started to journal, my brain was looking for things to be grateful for. My brain was looking for things to be appreciative of. So I'll write things such as, I'm grateful for my day. I'm grateful for the food I ate. I'm grateful that I got off the bus. Just finding myself in an abundance mindset really helped me because when you're at the worst of your OCD symptoms, you're looking for scarcity. Your brain is looking for what is worse. That's what's what anxiety is. It's looking for the worst. It's evolutionarily hardwired in us. So for me, it's remember you are not a bad person. If you were a bad person, you wouldn't be worried about these thoughts. And secondly, journal, journal, journal. Your brain will always catch up. It may not always feel like it, but your brain will catch up in the end. Those neural pathways will start to start firing a lot better as time goes on. So those are the two pieces of advice I definitely have. And to, and to don't struggle alone. I struggled for about five to six years in silence. And we know that on average, it takes 10 to 15 years for somebody to be diagnosed with OCD because people hide it. It's also misdiagnosed with other things such as ADHD or generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder and so much more. So don't struggle alone. You deserve the, you deserve to be fully functioning in society. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really, really fantastic advice. I think, you know, focusing on, on gratitude, so helpful in, in so many different ways and you know, uh, yeah, we really uh, pointing out there as well um, that that you know you're not a bad person is such an important message because I think subconsciously uh, people who struggle with OCD tend to carry that around with them a sense of guilt and shame, um, and we know those those particular emotions are you know are very hard if you if you carry those indefinitely. So yeah, I think that's a really important message to finish on there um sean thank you so much for your time if people want to uh get in touch with you or find out more about you what can they do i'll add everything to your show notes as well because i know every podcast has got their <laughs> show notes but yeah you can find me on social media the sean flores so t-h-e-s-h-a-u-n-f-l-o-r-e-s you could pretty much find me everywhere everything is streamlined so it makes it a lot easier i'm actually making my website at the moment and my dms are open i know what it was like to be alone with OCD at my worst. And thankfully, due to the experiences I had in my story being out there, I've been able to create a WhatsApp group now with 26 people with OCD, especially from my community. But that's a whole other conversation we can go to another time. But find me everywhere um, at Deshaun Flores. My DMs are open and I'm here. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.